joined by Sarah Lee, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. Whether or not it's the cause of recruiting shortfalls, rising left-wing ideology in the military is cause for concern. But who is pushing the military to adopt widespread social liberal activist policies? Fred Lucas, a reporter from the Heritage Foundation's Daily Signal, joins us to discuss the organizations pushing the military to sign up to everything leftism. Uh, Fred, before we begin, can you tell us a little bit about your background and your work for the Daily Signal? Uh, yeah, I've been on for a few years now, and I have covered for, for the Daily Signal uh, some of the issues with um, the woke military officers, including this issue uh, Tommy Tuberville had held up a few officers. We put the spotlight on some of the things that these uh, various Biden nominees had had said and done over the years in terms of pushing for uh, DEI uh, initiatives in, in the military. And, and also we... Uh, for, for this particular piece, we, we looked, I looked into who some of the uh, private entities were behind this and who some of the, the money was backing it up. So, yeah, you, you wrote for, for us at Capital Research Center a four-part series on those uh, philanthropic and advocacy groups that are supporting this push for uh, the sort of woke social liberalism, which is part of what I've what I've taken to calling everything leftism, the sort of uh, overarching ideology that requires sort of every left wing group to sign up to everything. You know, it's not it's not enough for a labor union to be a labor union. It also has to be for, you know, an armistice in, in Gaza. Um, so what led you to uh, to look into that as a as a topic? Well, uh, some of it was like almost everything else. Uh, when when the uh, when the government, uh, even if it was local governments, often, but particularly the federal government in this case, uh, when they take up something, there is usually, uh, and sometimes it's it might seem like it's coming out of left field, out of nowhere, but oftentimes it's something that's built up over time. And in this case, we did find out what that there is sort of a military woke complex out there in terms of assorted nonprofits. Uh, one is called Common Defense. Uh, another is called uh, Vets for the People, which is uh, associated with the, um, you know, one is associated with the Working Families Party, which is a, a major left-wing group. And so, so they have some sort of shell organizations out there that they put a veteran or two in and, and start lobbying on what the Pentagon should do in terms of issues that are almost completely unrelated to national defense. Mm -hmm. And then, so, I mean, you mentioned uh, common defense and then the group that's associated with the Working Families Party. And, the, and any listeners we have in the state of New York will be very familiar with the Working Families Party. It's the historically union-backed and union-funded, although that kind of got, got thrown for a loop when Andrew Cuomo was governor. Um, that cross endorses all the Democrats in in uh, in most New York state elections. Um, so, what are some of the other major players, and what are they what are they trying to push? Well, one in particular, uh, and I mentioned Tuberville a little earlier, but uh, uh, one in particular is the uh, 
Service Women's Action Network. Uh, now they, uh, that, that's a group that started out fairly mainstream at one point and, and they, they were advocating for women's rights in the military. They were advocating, I, I think things that most people would agree with, uh, you know, protecting women from sexual harassment and so for uh, problems like that in the military. Uh, but after the Dobbs decision, they expanded into issues like uh, abortion tourism and advocating strongly for that. And then that's ultimately what the Tuberville fight was about. Can, can, uh, for those, was, for, for our listeners who yeah. might not be familiar, can you just give the background on what the whole Tommy Tuberville thing was? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. I'm sorry about that. Um, yeah, uh, Tommy Tuberville held up, uh, I, I think, close to 300 the nominations uh, of about 300 military officer promotions uh, to general, um, so forth. Uh, over uh, un, until, and it wasn't a personal really aimed towards those uh, nominees for promotion, but it was really aimed towards the policy uh, that the Pentagon had for paying for abortion tourism, uh, meaning that if abortions were restricted to 15 weeks or to six weeks in one state, then the military would pay for someone on that base to travel to another state to get an abortion. And so, which, which, you know, sort of goes around the, um, the whole tradition of the Hyde Amendment and the belief that the federal government taxpayer dollars aren't supposed to pay for abortions. In this case, the Pentagon was paying directly for what's called abortion tourism, meaning that they can travel from one state to the next. So, or in some cases, one city to the next if, if a base is located not in close proximity to an abortion clinic. Sure. Um, so back to back to Service Women's Action Network. So Dobbs Dobbs comes out. Roe v. Wade, the national quote unquote right to abortion, is overturned. Then this group does what? Uh, yeah, they, they they immediately start uh, advocating. They they uh, they include on their website. They uh, have some uh, testimony in Congress. They send out letters. Uh, and, and they issue a brief that that calls for the need to have uh, this abortion availability for women out there and in the military. Uh, I think they call it a human uh, right, don't they? Right. right, right. Yeah, just human right as well. So, uh, Well, Sarah, I bring... <laughs> Hi! <laughs> I just kind of jumped in. Right, bring... Well, no, no, yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah, I want to talk about, uh, go back to the beginning here. You mentioned the Common Defense Network. Um, one of the things, you know, that we talk about a lot here at CRC is the amount of sort of uh, political work uh, nonprofits are doing, um, bumping up against um, their C3 line where they're not supposed to engage in that kind of stuff. Um, and then sometimes even crossing very heavily over it, very, very, you know, um, strongly over it. Um, and the Common Defense Network, while it looks like they sort of have always said, yes, we're, we're you know, going to be um, doing lobbying and things like that, and I think it actually is, a, they have a C4, which can do more of that. Um, can you talk a little bit about the kind of money that's coming into that? I know that we could talk about the other groups as well, but just this one in particular, kind of money going into it to push and lobby for some of these progressive policies that are basically shifting the culture hard to the left in terms of the military and 
you know, they're doing other things too, but your piece is on the military. So talk about how much that shift has happened. Yeah, uh, for, yeah, for this common fence network, and, and I say network because it's kind of a got a Common Defense Education Foundation and so forth. But uh, yeah, so, some of the donors to that have included uh, the Rockefeller Brothers, um, David Rockefeller Fund, uh, those are two separate entities. Uh, the It's a fund for nonviolence, which is, uh, that's actually something associated with the Veterans Organization Institute. Uh, the Ford Foundation, which that's um, uh, a, you know, a golden favorite among the left in terms of something that funds a lot of causes. I actually gave a $100,000 grant to the uh, Common Defense Education Fund. Uh, and um, so, yeah, Common Defense uh, Civic Engagement, uh, that's that's a C4. Uh, they had uh, about $3 million on hand and, uh, in 2021. So uh, there's, there's a good amount of money and, and quite a few donors, big donors. I mean, like, particularly like when, when I say the mostly very closely associated with the left, I think Ford Foundation might be one of the uh, most closely associated. But you've got, uh, I mean, if, if you've got, if you've got Ford, which, you know, is comparable in scope to the Soros network, at least as uh-huh. of a few years ago, and then the Rockefeller Brothers Fund, which if you look at some of the stuff that they that they fund on like anti-Israel stuff, on climate change, they're really hard hard to the left. So no, it, it makes complete sense that they're pushing pushing the the everything leftism if that's who's behind them. Yeah, I, I, I should note uh, the uh, 1630 Fund, which is of course a part of the Arabella network, uh, actually gave uh, one point. Zero six million dollars to the Common Defense Civic Engagement, which is a C four group. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, once you mix Arabella and Ford Foundation, that's that's two of the biggest. Yeah, outcomes. and I guess what is interesting to me about that, and the reason I ask that question is, I, I think sometimes people have this idea that this stuff is coming down from the top, right? Like maybe the Biden administration or whatever administration happens to be in power when these kinds of cultural shifts happen, they think, oh, these are, you know, policy decisions being made from the top and then they're going down and they're related to the appointments uh, in the military, et cetera. But what's actually happening is there's stuff coming in from all sides, right? These huge foundations, there's money coming in to push it, you know, to help the the sort of narrative on the ground. Is I mean, how do you... How do you get your hands around that if you're going, wait a minute, we don't like these policy ideas? Well, yeah, that, I mean, that, that's why I, I think it's kind of important to to track these things. Like, uh, I mean, this, I, I think maybe gives you the uh, idea of where the genesis comes from. I mean, even going back to where we had General uh, Milley and, uh, and others, I mean, not just Milley, uh, we pick on him a lot, I guess, but uh, uh, I mean, others were out there like, uh, climate change is the biggest national security threat we have uh, of all. And then uh, others, you know, talking about how important DEI is part of our, it's part of the military's DNA and so forth. I mean, you want to, where did this ever mm-hmm. come from? Uh, and politicians pushing for these things. And yeah, I mean, it just seems it has nothing to do with the Pentagon, nothing to do with national defense. And it just came out of nowhere, but no, it didn't come out of nowhere. I mean, this is, 
these groups have been brewing. They've been pushing this. They've been lobbying for it. They've been funded by some major, major donors uh, that have wielded their influence on a lot of things for a long time. And it's, it works, yeah, from the bottom up. Yeah, it's, it's like you said, it's not really a top-down thing from the government. It's They're being influenced heavily by these assorted groups that are financed, yeah, in some cases, like, you know, again, Arabella, Ford Foundation, and these, and Rockefeller. So, I mean, we mentioned, you, you mentioned the uh, abortion access, abortion tourism stuff earlier. What other issues are these groups pushing? Well, uh, they, they have pushed, uh, and climate change has been a big one. Um, and, well, climate, um, I mean, just general DEI. Uh, I, I know, like, one of the admirals uh, had talked about, or actually someone in the Air Force had, had pushed this notion that, um, you know, the DEI is, is part of the um, military's DNA and so forth. Uh, um, they, they've, they've, they've also pushed for, uh, I, I think even one of these groups had even pushed uh, for um, more, you know, lenient voting laws and so forth like that uh i mean uh some some of the issues that like don't seem like that they would have a lot of hardly anything else to do with a military so other than yeah. sort of uh, general oh and uh i mean one one group one group it even yeah i mean back to common defense i mean they've pushed for anti-militarism of, uh, <laughs> of the, in this case, of the police, <laughs> but, I mean, which, which is odd, and uh, climate justice and so forth. So um, so what, so my question then is, what do you think, and, and you know, this is just an, an opinion question, and I, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but how do you, do you think, how do you think this affects our military readiness? Like I, I actually know former military and current military members, and they're extremely concerned by what they're seeing. Um, what, what's your opinion on that? Do you think that this is, you know, the, what they like to say is that we're, we're unprepared for a major war if one comes. So, uh, and sorry for speaking for all of you guys, but what, what do you think? What's your opinion on that, Fred? Well, uh, I mean, I, I think when, when you start, I mean, there's only so much room for instructing people on so many issues, right? Uh, so, I mean, once you start focusing, doubling down on uh, so-called climate justice, economic justice, uh, race race issues, when, once people are required to reading, um, uh, whatever, was, about was, white privilege and so forth. I mean, I mean you, uh, mentioned, you mentioned in your piece that somebody was, like, recommending Ibram X. Kendi, who isn't, right. you, know, you know, this isn't, this isn't Harry Truman desegregating the armed services in 1947. Right. This is right, right, this right. Is exactly, exactly. Way I mean, more this, radical. These people are being trained and educated on things that have nothing to do with things being battle ready. So it would it would then follow that they're not being trained to be battle yeah, ready. Sure. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yes, right, right. I mean, there's you know, only so many hours in the day, only so many resources. If you're um, if you're pushing this uh, notion of social engineering, and again, just like you said, it's it's not desegregating the military, which I think clearly had benefits uh, for the military in terms of increasing the number of people who could fight. This is about 
pushing a political agenda and pushing as if there's only one way of thinking. And, and I, I think also what's important here is that um, the left is kind of part of this long march by the left, which is it started in the early 20th century. They took over public schools. They took over the news media. They took over higher education. Um, they increasingly have taken over corporations uh, and a lot of um, even a lot of Christian denominations. Uh, it seemed like for maybe a long time, uh, maybe the one refuge, uh, certainly the one refuge within government would be the military where you would not have this complete left-wing takeover. And now it seems like the left has even taken over in the military, the mindset anyway. How much, how much do you think that, you know, based on your research, how much do you think that that is the present administration and these big institutions that are maybe have influence with the present administration versus the, the military core itself? Yeah, I, I don't think once you drill down to actual rank and file members, uh, I don't think that they're into wokeness. Uh, I mean, I, I do think it's probably hurt some recruitment. And so um, of, of people who don't go along with this kind of mindset. So so you might be, it might be at a point where maybe you have a higher percentage of members who have this uh, mindset. But I, I think uh, under Obama, Obama just um, really pushed this agenda a lot, moved moved promotions uh, based on this while he was in office. I, I don't know if Trump really kept up quite as much uh, in terms of military promotions. Uh, Trump didn't really push a ideological agenda in the military the way Obama did and the way that Biden has. And I think that's where you will have some, some military leadership that for a while will be pushing this and, and promoting a, a DI kind of woke climate justice various issues like that. So uh, before we let you go, is there anything else you're working on that you'd like to promote to our listeners? Oh, well, sure. There was a, a recent story. I think your listeners would be pretty interested in, and that's uh, John Arnold with uh, Arnold Ventures um, has uh, been hiring Republican lobbyists. Uh, he, he is, uh, some people claim that John Arnold, um, a, a, Liberal billionaire, uh, formerly worked for Enron, the infamous Enron, um, that he is seeking to become the next George Soros. He's poured a lot of his fortune into um, sort of rogue liberal prosecutors at the local level that will be soft on crime. He's pushed for criminal justice, uh, pushed a lot of climate issues and so forth. Um, so uh, now now uh, there, there are Republican uh, and now, now you have these uh, Republicans that are out there. Uh, one previously worked for uh, Speaker Paul Ryan. Uh, another had been part of the Republican Study Committee. Uh, and another worked for some conservative groups like uh, National Taxpayers Union. Uh, they're, they're part of the Arnold Ventures uh, that's, that's out there lobbying on Capitol Hill, using their old Republican pedigree to kind of... Um, uh, influence a lot of uh, the GOP on the Hill. So so that's something to keep an eye Interesting. on. Interesting. 
All right. Well, thanks again to Fred Lucas of the Daily Signal uh, media arm of the Heritage Foundation for joining us. We will include a link to his four-part series on woke ideology in the military for Capital Research Center in today's show notes. That's our show for this week. We encourage our listeners to subscribe on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. Those ratings really help us find new listeners, especially if they come with a positive review. We'll see you all next week.